The Dutch government is putting up some money to bring war criminals to justice. Yes, the Netherlands has pledged an extra million euros. Your previous for the ICC. question had a little bit more of a sarcastic undertone <laughs> than. Uh... Do you want me to ask again? Yeah, yes, let's really yeah, a bit more sarcasm, please. Uh... <laughs> it's Friday, March 24th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Polling Station Report Enthusiast. And today I'm joined, as always, by Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News and Worst Takes on Dutch Elections Watcher, but also by uh, Shinai Bostas, contributing editor at Dutch News and Keukenhof fan. But you aren't, I see. I thought you were. You send a, you send a message, Shen, in the group's chat, with, which, which sounded very enthusiastic about the opening of the Keukenhof, but apparently you're not a fan. Well, I mean, it's okay, but I haven't been there since my kids were very little. What's more important is actually planting your seeds, which I'm going to do this weekend. Ah, okay. Home right. That's seeds. a good reminder for everyone. Yeah. Very good I've reminder. never been yeah. to the Keukenhof before. Oh, it's very um, impressive. Yeah, I've never been there. So, I must um, say, I've never been either. What's uh-huh. the matter with well, you both? Are you both ingeburgered or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very ingeburgered. Uh, Gordon, I think, also. Yeah, reasonably. Uh, but yeah, I've never been to the Coconut. My kids have been. Uh, they went with their grandparents one time. Uh-huh. It's kind of a grandparents' day out, I was thought. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I've never been there. And I also have no inclination whatsoever to go. So, <laughs> no, I don't think I will ever see the Coconut. Um, but I see a little note here. Uh, can we talk about the April Fools? Well, I wanted to be an alternative fact polisher because I've been oh, working. Well. I've been working very hard on our April Fools, and I see that That's you guys me. have not yet contributed. I, 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 I promise I will. I will, uh, I will yeah, take a look at it yeah, uh, I, this me, afternoon, and I will. Uh, we, we still got a week till uh, till April the first. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Dutchness always has a nice uh, April Fool's joke, and sometimes uh, 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 real media fall for it, and that's always, uh, of course, the, those are the better April Fool's uh, jokes, I think. Um, but Gordon, uh, you have been uh, watching worst takes on Dutch elections. Yeah, um, I've, been, I've been kind of following the coverage of the Dutch elections because uh, quite predictably it's uh, spawned an awful lot of terrible coverage by people who, uh, who whose uh, kind of whole take on world politics is kind of um, based on uh, the, the Marvel Comics movies, right? And, and this is kind <laughs> of a revolt by, um, uh, by by the common people or by sort of various um, um, cobbled together groups against the dark forces that are ruling the universe um so you know there'd be lots of comparisons to like sort of the canadian truckers and those kinds of things donald trump of course pitched in in between um uh, sp- spreading kind of bizarre uh, news about uh, the the, uh, the his supposed arrest that never actually happened um <laughs> to, 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 to to praise the dutch farmers but of course most of the um the sort of the the, the, the people who've uh, jumped off the covid conspiracy bandwagon and are now frantically looking around for a new cause yeah. uh, to adopt uh, have kind of missed the point that uh, the, the, their kind of allies in the netherlands form for democratic see it took an absolute tanking in the election and that the dutch farmers um their party is really nothing not not very much to do with uh, all these kind of uh, sundry conspiracies but it's been quite amusing to watch all people on fox news and various other channels kind of tie themselves in knots trying to claim this is the start of some kind of great you know um backlash against the great reset and klaus schwab and everything else <laughs> yeah it's, it's brilliant i love i love yeah. it when they're described as extremists and you think have you not yeah. seen some of the other parties we have out there <laughs> exactly 
Yeah, and CNN seemed to think that uh, BBB won because uh, it was Donald Trump who supported Dutch farmers. And all of a sudden, the entire Dutch electorate thought, yeah, well, Donald Trump says something. That's a good idea. Let's vote for them. Yeah. Although that just um, sparked kind of very Trumpist tweet from Caroline van der Plas because she yeah. called it fake news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't notice the link between uh, between that tweet and, and Donald Trump. But yeah, that uh, yeah. It, it was it was Donald Trump-esque indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've been uh, paying close attention to the uh, uh, official uh, polling station reports uh, yes. in the days after the election. All the polling stations uh, issued their reports and they are published. And it's always very fun to watch, to, to read the, the little comments that are uh, that, that, that uh, uh, polling station um, uh, officials uh, write down. They have to register every sort of incident that happens at the, at the, at the polling station. And also uh, they have to write down complaints by yeah. voters. Um, and that's always uh, oh, uh, sometimes very fun. That's sometimes very fun because I looked at the polling station at the TU Delft, the, the university here in, uh, in Delft, and uh, one voter complained about the large quantity of uh, students present at the polling station, <laughs> uh, which, uh, which I thought was very interesting. And also there was a polling station at the Prinzenhof Museum, uh, the location where William the Silent, or uh, William of Orange, as we know him in, in the Netherlands, but it's a different one than the one uh, British listeners will, uh, will think of. Um, he was shot there, he was assassinated there, and there was a polling station uh, in this election. And, and at that polling station, uh, they found a mysterious German passport lying around at the polling station, and no one knows uh, who, uh, who it was. But, <laughs> a um, German, presumably. A German, yes, yeah. but William the Silent, as our national anthem uh, uh, notices, yeah. is of German descent. So ah, maybe it was his ghost, ghost that left uh, that ah. left it there. Yes, but did it was he a vote? Spanish part? Yeah, it was a Spanish passport as well. <laughs> yeah, no, and there were no bullet holes in it, so oh, yeah, well. who, who knows? But did yeah. he vote BBB? That's the question. <laughs> I'm sure he did, and I think this will uh, brings us to the opf of the week. Uh, and I'm uh, I, I desperately try to avoid the Lentekriebel opf because uh, that was just uh, too awful. It was just too too uh, much to, to have a trash fire. That really. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really was. Yeah. It was a uh, it was really really was a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so instead, I found something else, and it is uh, Carpaccio. Oh. Mm. Um, NSA newspaper asked people living in Amsterdam North how they felt about the election results last week. Um, in which the nitrogen skeptic farmer citizen movement became the largest party in every province of the country. Um, and while most people had some sympathy for Caroline van der Plas's party, others were a little bit more worried, especially about the impact of the election especially about the impact the election results might have on the environment and the climate. And one person who the newspaper described as a buckfeet's mother, and if you live in Amsterdam, you know exactly what kind of person we're talking about, said that uh, chains might go too fast for the rural areas and that people in the cities are more aware of what is important in the world. Um, and she added that you saw that with Carpaccio, it was first on the menus in the cities and only later in the provinces. This um, particular comment um, um, sparked uh, some um, outrage on, on Twitter, you could say. A lot of people ridicu ridiculed it. Um, uh, there were, for example, people posting photos of quiet streets in tiny villages, commenting that they were desperately searching for Carpaccio. <laughs> um, and yeah, I fully admit that this is a very stupid upheaf, but uh, Carpaccio has been trending on Twitter for the past week now, in my defense. So it, I think it counts as a genuine upheaf. So yeah. is, it, is it like the mark of ultimate civilization if you know your Carpaccio from your cappuccino? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. that's that's what she that she was saying. That she was implying. Yeah, this sort of level of civilization comes later in the provinces. And one example of that was Carpaccio, which of course uh, uh, I, I think started in Italy as a sort of uh, a rural dish because you know they had there weren't a lot of there wasn't a lot of meat available, so they had to sl- uh, slice it in very thin. Um, slices so yeah it, it, it was a little bit <laughs> ridiculous and it was a large <laughs> article it was only one quote but this quote in particular went viral and i think that is quintessential upheavs people take uh, i did actually can- consider cancelling my nsa subscription when i saw that story <laughs> <laughs> really yeah. did, did. did you read it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did, did they have carpaccio during the home of winter that's the thing so, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah made of tulip bulbs i think yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> very thinly very thinly sliced tulip bulbs yeah. exactly that's how the yeah. coke off started yeah <laughs> Yeah, but it starts in the cities. In the countryside, they still had lots of food, but um, in, in the cities, they had to slice their tulips extremely thin in order to survive. This week, The Hague is adjusting to the new political landscape following the monster win of the Boerburgerbeweging last week. Both Russia and China are displeased with the Netherlands, while the Dutch themselves are surprisingly happy with their country. And for some reason, e-bikes and badgers have dominated the news this week, and the Orange Cricket team has finally broken their endless losing streak. It's been over a week since the provincial elections, and that means that the dust caused by the landslide win of the Boerburgerbeweging is finally setting da- settling down. BBB became the largest party in all 12 provinces, and that means they can take the initiative in forming new coalitions. In North Holland, former Senate Chair and Junior Justice Minister Anki Broekers Knol. Anki Broekers Knol. Yes. That sounds you, quite you still remem- rude somehow. <laughs> Ankle Brookers Connell. I don't know, it sounds like quite a rude name somehow. Oh, we love that name. Yeah, also yeah. it's very soothing just to say Anki yeah. Brookers Knoll. Yeah, yeah, we love her. Yeah. Uh, she was appointed as Verkenner in North Holland, while in South Holland, another favourite of the podcast, Fred Teve, <laughs> was asked to assume this role. Uh, should we should we uh, explain again what a Verkenner is? Because it's been two think, years yes, since yes, we've yeah, yeah, Tell us about it. What's a Verkenner, Paul? Uh, after the election, we need to form a coalition, of course, and uh, it is a sort of tradition or yeah, sort of a convention, actually, to, to ask a sort of person that is above politics to sort of investigate what kind of coalition uh, can be formed. Um, and usually this is yeah, a politician uh, like Anke Brugges Knoll and Fred Teve is. But sometimes uh, parties prefer a apolitical figure. And that is the case, for example, in Noord-Brabant, where BBB asked a, a mayor of Waalwijk, I believe, who is uh, not affiliated with a political party to become the verkenner. Um, and sometimes it is also a hint to... Um, uh, 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 yeah, to w- in which direction uh, the winning party is is uh, is thinking. So by asking these favorite day politicians in North and South Holland, uh, the BBB is clearly suggesting that they want to cooperate with uh, with favorite day. So what does um, what does the Vikana do then? The, the Verkenner is 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 uh, uh, inviting all the leaders of all the parties to sort of add and ask them what they think the new coalition should look like, and he is going to investigate what possible uh, coalitions uh, are there, and he is going to suggest um, uh, 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 which coalition is the most likely to, to succeed, and then these parties will yeah start the the the, the real negotiating process uh, in order to uh, uh, find a coalition agreement. So, yeah, 
Yeah, so how, the job is kind was... of sounding out all the parties to see which ones yeah. are, are kind of willing or likely to work together, right, in the, in the coalition. And, and how, yeah. how long yeah. do we think it's going to take them to uh, make their coalition agreements in the end? Nine months? Or do you think, oh. they'll be, will they be a little bit quicker in the provinces? I think they will be quicker in the provinces. They tend to be quicker. And also these uh, coalitions usually have uh, more parties than uh, than we have on a national level. So it is not unheard of that a coalition in, for example, Limburg had five or six parties. So they are used to um, um, sort of uh, finding a, 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 a common ground and to uh, to work together with, uh, with such a large number of, of parties. The difference is, of course, the nitrogen issue, which is so divisive among all party lines. Um, that might, uh, um, 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 yeah, cause a little bit of a delay, but yeah, the, we we don't know for certain if yeah. that's going to to happen. Yeah, I and of course, but the, the provinces have got a big role in solving the nitrogen issue because they they're in charge of regional planning and they've been given this deadline of July the first to come up with like detailed plans for which farms should actually shut down to uh, to, to save the uh, Natura Traders and nature areas. So, yeah. do we uh, think that the July the first deadline is realistic, given that they're trying to negotiate you know new administrations at the same time? Well, yeah, well the, the previous coalitions are working on these deadlines right yeah. now, and I think it's uh, in the interest of a lot of parties to delay a new coalition as long as possible, preferably um, 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 yeah, after this after deadline. July the first, yeah, but then of course, yeah, because yeah. then the plans are submitted and they have to, yeah, they have to carry execute them. Out. them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, if you're the BBB and you're opposing a lot of this, you don't maybe even need to protest. You can just drag your feet endlessly. That has something of the same effect if there's no top list of people that needs to close then there's no list there's no expropriation interesting times to look forward to um and uh, i think we can go to the next question it's yours oh Shen. Oh, oh sorry 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 <laughs> <laughs> sorry pay attention sorry. Paul, tell, tell me, are, are yeah. there any are there any new forecasts on the senate this is what i've been wanting to know all week i'm desperate to find out <laughs> <laughs> yes the senate is as we all know elected by the provincial representatives their votes have different weights depending on the province's population size and that makes calculating the new configuration of the eerste kamer almost a new field of science it's almost it almost resembles alchemy i think yeah. um, um, it can be very complicated, uh, uh, but there is a revised forecast uh, published this week, and Baby Bay is now projected to win 17 seats in the Senate. Uh, it was initially thought they would win 16, and also coalition partner Deza will win five rather than the initially thought six seats, which means the coalition can rely on only 22 seats, not nearly enough for a 38-seat majority. The joint PvdA and GroenLinks faction is still on course to win 15 seats, but that would leave the government in need of support of at least one other party. Um, analysts have suggested that the coalition can go... Uh, uh, have two options. They can go to the right and cooperate with Boerburgerbeweging. That would lead to a majority. And initially, they thought they can also go to uh, look for look at the left wing parties, the the leftist cloud, this joint faction of GroenLinks and PvdA. Uh, but now, unfortunately, because Deze 60 lost one seat, uh, that option is uh, has become a little bit more complicated because they now need at least one other party. Vote um, party for the party for the animals. 
for example, yeah, they they might be able to 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 gain support, but yeah, it always comes at a cost, of course, to if you bring more parties on board. Yeah, and then these are only estimates, right? I mean, they could still end up the, the seats could still shift around. Um, yes, you know, the final numbers, and as you're about to tell us, so and given the margins are so small, literally one seat changing hands could completely change the picture. Yes, yes. Um, the the Senate elections are in May, so th- after that we will, uh, yeah, know the definite new composition of the of the Eerste Kamer. Um, but as things stand, there are now th- uh, three remainder seats, so there are seats that cannot be occupied based on the election results. Um, and yeah, they have to go to some party, and that is always uh, these remainder seats are always, um, yeah, uh, um, in the center of this sort of plots and schemes behind the scenes between parties. Um, maybe if 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 a, if a, uh, a provincial representative of one party votes for another party, that seat will go to to them. But yeah, other parties are also making similar arrangements. So yeah, th- yeah. those three seats are really um, 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 yeah. We really have to look. Uh, 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 we really have to pay attention to these three seats because they can go to any 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 party. Yeah. And as you say, the margins are so so thin that yeah, it could um, yeah. Uh, um, uh, cause <laughs> very m- a lot of headaches for uh, even more headaches for the coalition part- partners, but also um, it could help them out very much. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they should just have a giant round of scissor, paper, stone, or have a penalty shootout or That's something to decide idea. how to yeah how to distribute the remainder seats. Yeah, and of course the the, the 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 when the provincial delegates meet to choose the Senate, they're not actually bound to vote for their own party, right? No. This is why you get all this horse trading, and yep. also of course they're, they're, they're famously occasionally they make mistakes like uh, vote with the wrong coloured pencil, and the, the, the and the um the, the, and their vote is invalid, and that can change. It has to be, it has well. to be so red. There's... Does it have to be red? Your pencil? Yes, it does. Yeah. It has to be a red why? pencil, but some because for that's reasons. the rule. Yeah, that's the rule. <laughs> Uh, but the, there is a famous incident where one representative voted with a uh, blue ballpoint, uh, and yeah, that 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 vote was invalid, Scandalous. and that uh, meant that one vote went to another way. There was also a provincial representative who uh, colored in all the uh, circles behind the parties behind uh, the parties' candidates. That also made her vote invalid, and then the GroenLinx Senate seat went to the SP. Uh, also, you have plenty of incidents and uh, hopefully there will be a lot of them in the coming Senate elections because those are always the most fun uh, <laughs> yeah. scandalous so there's, there's enormous uh, things. For things to get for things to get thoroughly fucked up basically yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. So look forward to that yeah and have there been any live streams of uh, closed doors this week which is what we usually see after disappointing election results well, we had a lot of hope there would be a lot of them, uh, but unfortunately that wasn't the case, uh, despite the fact that almost every party uh, lost seats in the provin- provinces and in the Senate. Only the CDR held a crisis meeting this week. Uh, of course, traditionally the Christian Democrats score very well in the provinces. They used to have a strong support in rural areas, but this time they only won less than 7% of the votes and saw their number of seats halved in the Senate. And many voters have defected to the Baby Bay in protest of the cabinet's plan to tackle nitrogen pollution, um, which, yeah, these plans are supported by the CDA, so those voters are very discontent with, with their old party. And now party leader and foreign affairs minister Wopke Hoekstra was criticized by provincial leaders. Uh, 
some delegates said that his position was up for discussion and the party leadership held a crisis meeting on Tuesday in a dreadful hotel in uh, Maarsen. <laughs> it was very ongezellig. Yeah. Um, but that, that's a tradition, isn't it? They, they always have to go to an absolutely awful hotel off a motorway somewhere in, uh, in this case, Utrecht uh, province, but it's usually somewhere kind of rural. It's, 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 it's part it's, of the it's, tradition, isn't it? It's part of the tradition, yes. It's always one of the towns that's been like turned down for Koningsdag. But didn't yeah, they have a very strange pineapple plant as well? And they were a bit worried it would <laughs> be above Hookstra's head and, and look undignified or make it look like a banana republic or something. Pineapple <laughs> yeah. republic. Yeah. Pineapple republic, yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Hookstra is so tall that uh, nothing towers over him. Yeah. I have to say, the guy who had the hardest job this week was the person who had to set the microphones for Hookstra and the chairman <laughs> of the CDR, Hans Haubers, right? Because Haubers <laughs> is something like about some 15 centimetres shorter than Hookstra. So when they went and because they they were standing in front of the same set of microphones, so Haubers were kind of something. The microphones were kind of up up to his up to his eyebrows, and then Hookstarker stepped in and like he was he had some down to reach them. Yeah, <laughs> naval level. <laughs> <laughs> if you set, if you put them next to each other, they almost represented the sort of the uh, share of votes uh, of the CDI <laughs> in the previous election and the current election. Yeah. True. Um, and uh, uh, it would make an excellent tweet now I come to think of it. Um, the uh, the election results are causing headaches in the coalition. Not yet. I first have to say that oh, uh, uh, Wolke Hoekstra is allowed to stay on. Uh, it was decided that uh, uh, the leadership still has faith in him. I don't know why, but they do. Uh, but they did pledge to uh, find ways to gap the bridge between The Hague and the rest of the country. Um, now we can go to uh, the headaches in the uh, coalition because... Um, there are some headaches there. The big win of the BBB has caused, on the one hand, VVD and CDA to take a more flexible approach in the nitrogen measures, for example, by extending the 2030 deadline, which was agreed in the coalition agreement, uh, and to extend, have it extended to 2035. Which um, is the current law, by the way. Which is, yeah. Yeah, which is the current law. So it's nothing illegal or something, but yeah, it was agreed in the coalition agreement that the deadline would be 2030. Um, and this is a wish that is shared by Baby Bay. So that would be um, 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 something that the Baby Bay would be willing to work with. But on the other hand, you have Deza's assessor who is vividly opposed to an extension and they absolutely want to stick to the 2030 deadline. Um, and yeah, you saw in the Tweede Kamer this week that coalition MPs started to clash between each other and there was a debate about odor nuisance. You know, those are those are kind of debates they have in the Hague, of course. But, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Sorry, you, you uh, saw odor nuisance. Odor nuisance. I didn't know how to translate it, but <laughs> this is the best I could find. Yeah, stone cold for lust is uh, one of my favorite Dutch words. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of the yeah smells coming from large mega farms, which cause a lot of nuisance by people who uh, who, who live uh, uh, in the vicinity of those. D66 MP Cheer de Groot proposed stricter rules about these uh, odor nuisance, to which CDA MP Jacco Geurts, yes, that was his name, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> said he questioned uh, de Groot's mental capacities. Uh, and in another debate later that day, de Groot called ChristenUnie MP Pieter Ginwis plan to save the shrimp's fishing industry unlawful. Uh, so those are those are the sort of incidents you usually see 
between opposition and coalition uh, parties and now you see them between coalition MPs. So, mm. yeah, there's a lot of friction, uh, to say the least. Uh, and meanwhile, on Tuesday, the coalition initially blocked a proposal by GroenLinks leader Jesse Klaver to have a debate on election results with Mark Rutte. But later that day, there was a deal struck between, yeah, I think, the coalition, agree- uh, coalition parties and the opposition to have a debate, but only in two weeks' time. So hopefully by then the dust has settled and um, yeah, Rutte has a, can 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 held this debate more relaxed than um, he would have today or yesterday. And uh, the Telegraaf also reported that the cabinet will hold a crisis meeting on Monday to discuss the election result and new political reality. So, yeah, things are there are a lot of things um, going on in the Hague uh, following this uh, election result. Yeah, but, but one thing that's also happened is that uh, Rutte had uh, had a date this week, oh. uh, didn't he? Yeah. In, in, yeah. In, uh, <laughs> yes, in, he in, did. Uh, yeah, in in uh, in in, in Vassena. Yes, with uh, Baby Bay leader Caroline van der Plas in a restaurant called the Landbouw in Wassenaar, as you said, which is a sort of perfect uh, uh, assimilation of the Baby Bay and the VVD, I think. Yes. Um, and obviously they discussed the election results, but details about uh, their hour-long meeting weren't shared. But can I, can I just say, though, she was wearing a very nice nude matte lipstick. I don't know what that was says. She? she was. Okay. Mm. Will she wear the same lipstick if she goes to Brussels? Yeah. Who well, knows? She, she, she did come out of the meeting and say the first thing she said was she, she said they'd um, eaten in the restaurant called uh, De Hoizolder and then quick, quickly cleared that uh, the fact that she'd been she'd been in the Hoizolder with the Ritter didn't mean they'd been up to anything uh, you know, un- <laughs> untoward. Did you say that? <laughs> she actually how said the, that. How yeah. was the lipstick looking? <laughs> well, so, yeah. With yeah. there straw, straws of hay uh, <laughs> sticking out of her mouth or not? Um, but she did also said that uh, she expects the cabinets to fall within before the end of the year over the nitrogen issues. Uh, so she isn't very optimistic about uh, um, you know, um, that she can find a solution with the cabinet. Um, and asked what she was going to do next. She said she wanted to talk to European Commissioner and Green Deal advocate Frans Timmermans. Van der Plas has said that she wanted Timmermans to explain what the European Commission proposes to do about the nitrogen lockdown following leaked news about Brussels' preference for forced buyouts. Uh, But then uh, Timmermans told NOS that if Van der Plas wishes to come to Brussels, she's more than welcome. But uh, Van der Plas has said that she'd rather have Timmermans come to her. There must be a misunderstanding, she tweeted. uh, I can't go to Brussels for a whole day. My work is here. But I uh, incidentally noticed that Brussels is uh, just as far away from The Hague as Deventer, where she lives. So yeah, it's just uh, just uh, it's the same commute, I think. Yeah, as, uh, except you got home, better, so. you got better roads going to Deventer, so it doesn't, it doesn't take as long. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. I, but actually, you also drive through farmland, which is about to be expropriated, because uh, Flanders <laughs> is pushing ahead with expropriation. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, still unclear where they will meet. Uh, if they meet halfway, they have to go to Rosenhal, which I don't uh, advise to anyone. So uh, <laughs> they could go to the Kokenhof together. Yes, but that would mean Franz Timmermans has to travel f- even further. So yeah, I don't think he's willing, even though he has. Uh, he 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 is uh, he often uses private jets, so yeah, it is very close to to Schiphol, of course. Well, that's so it very, might be an option. It's very eco-friendly. What do we think the chances are that uh, the cabinet is actually going to uh, collapse here? Uh, how yeah, how much of a blow is this for for Ritter and the other parties? Well, it's not in any of their interests, is it, to have another election at the moment because their support is uh, is not running high. A DC66 support is not running high as it was in the last general election. The uh, Christian uh, CDA has uh, had a 
complete falling out with its voters. So I, th- I suspect they'll do everything they can to keep patching it together. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, the, 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 I think the, I think the, the dilemma of D sixty six, I think, is that I mean, the the, the BBB have said quite clearly that uh, you know, the, that they're not going to form coalitions with DSS D- so they're going to be kind of shut out in the in the provinces. And then the next stage is if the BBB then start doing deals with FFD and CDR, and the FFD and CDR start watering down nitrogen plans, DSS are going to feel increasingly isolated. And if it gets to the point where they're then worried about shedding votes to you know. Or PFDR or um, uh, or Kuhn Links because Kuhn Links actually did quite well in some places, especially some some urban areas. Then I think that gives them a real a real problem. And you know, if Sikhikar carries on in a coalition that is drifting away from their whole position on um, the environment and nitrogen um, and making them vulnerable to having their votes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <coughs> but she, she was dancing on the table after the last general election. They well, did so the thing, well. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to get that vote again if it goes to the polls. And I wonder if some of their voters might think they're being absolutely intransigent at the moment and blocking the entire country. Actually, the DSSS never did didn't do that well in those elections because she was dancing because of the exit polls, which was uh, which were four seats up from uh, what they actually won in terms of uh, actual seats. But that's a different story. But I think um, coalition-wise, I think uh, CDI really has almost has nothing to lose anymore. If they go forward with any nitrogen uh, plans, their voters will be even more discontent than they are now. Um, uh, uh, VVD, uh, they haven't lost that many seats and not that many votes, so apparently their voter base don't really care that much about uh, the nitrogen uh, uh, um, situation. Um, if um, the coalition agreement will be broken up and they start to re- renegotiate, for example, this 2030 deadline to 2035, that will not come cheap for the VVD and the DSS will make a lot of demands and the main criticism among VVD voters already is that the coalition agreement is almost the DSS uh, party manifesto. So if it moves even further towards the DSS wishes, that will yeah, disgruntled the VVD voters uh, even more than they already, uh, already did. So yeah, I, th- I think for a lot of uh, parties, they have th- there's n- also not much to gain from sticking in the coalition. So, yeah, it is a catch-22, and yeah, it is just uh, waiting for one party to pull the plug if they want to. But I think um, yeah, either way, they are screwed. Uh, yeah. and, the, but the la- and the last the last uh, negotiation to form this coalition agreement took nine months. It was the longest in history. It's not going to yeah. get any easier. The situation no. is worse now. Totally not. No, yeah, and it, it took nine months to get back to the same four parties that were in government before. So, because that was literally the only option. Yeah. yeah. So um, it feels like we are in an Stalemate. impasse, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, yeah. every every option seems to be a flawed uh, flawed direction. And yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're in a stag- stagnant pit. That, it uh, smells. The, the, the reeks of nitrogen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the world, Gordon. Right. Yeah. 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 What's what's going on beyond the um, uh, beyond the polder? Uh, well, ten years ago, Vladimir Putin visited the Netherlands to mark 400 years of friendship between the Netherlands and Russia. Uh, little remains of that friendship now. And this week, the International Criminal Court in The Hague marked a year of hostilities in Ukraine by issuing a warrant for Putin's arrest. Putin and his children's rights commissioner, Maria Alexeyevna Livova-Belova, are accused of abducting at least hundreds of Ukrainian children and taking them to Russia. That's according to the International Criminal Court's uh, chief prosecutor. 
Uh, researchers from the Yale Humanitarian Research Lab put the number at around 6,000. To absolutely nobody's surprise, uh, Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev uh, called for his country to hit the court with a hypersonic missile, which is kind of what Russia says uh, to anyone that uh, sort of crosses them these days. Um, I kind of, kind of think, you know, if if if, if uh, Medvedev gets a parking fine, he he threatens to uh, hit the come and send a hypersonic missile to the to to, to the parking attendant's house. Um, so I I drew a map, or, or <laughs> no, I didn't draw drew a map. I took a screenshot of Google Maps and I drew a circle in MS Paint. Around at the Hague to see, you know, to compare the distance of Deventer and Brussels. Yeah. And someone said it looks like one of these maps that you can make on on, on nukemaps.com, which sort of <laughs> shows the blast uh, area if if a nuke has, has fallen on on the Hague. And now uh, uh, Medvedev is threatening to to actually bomb. He's threatening that reality. The, yeah, he, he's threatening yeah. to yeah to to um yeah, so send the fallout all the way to Deventer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So both Franz Timmermans and uh, uh, Caroline van der Plas aren't safe have, anymore. Have, yeah, have, they, they, they both had it. Yeah, they'll be together at last. In was, the, uh, was, Brus- in the was, blast, yeah. was Brussels safe? Maybe Caroline could have a trip there. <laughs> no, Brussels wasn't safe. It was it was just as far f- uh, from 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 uh, the Hague as Daventry is. Yeah, I, 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 I think the Smith, I think the Smiths wrote a song about this one time, didn't they? Anyway, um, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba said the wheels of justice were turning, and uh, the Ukrainian government, uh, as is its wont, hastily mopped up a picture of an express train from Mariupol to the Hague for <laughs> one passenger, which I thought was quite nice. Um, yes. But uh, although uh, as long as this train stops at Lanfernoy and doesn't uh, you know, <laughs> doesn't add to the congestion at Central Station. Uh, Russia doesn't recognise the International Criminal Court, but it does mean that Putin could be arrested if he sets foot on any of the 123 signatory countries. So no visits of friendship uh, to the Netherlands anytime soon, or to listen to any Verlitzers outside the Russian embassy. Putin can still travel to the United States, of course, as that country also doesn't recognise the court, uh, and in fact it passed a law allowing it to invade the Netherlands if American servicemen are ever put on trial at the ICC. And this train might not even be uh, able to run to The Hague, as we will see later in exactly. the process. That's another problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the Dutch government, which has so much spare cash washing around, is uh, <laughs> putting up some money to bring war criminals to justice. Any money they've got left over from buying out farmers uh, will, go, uh, will, will go towards the International Criminal Court, which is getting an extra million euros. Uh, so that'd, from, be, that'd be three from, cents, then, will it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's getting an extra million euros that uh, has been committed uh, by, the, by, by the Netherlands uh, to be spent on the investigations in Ukraine. The funding was announced ahead of a meeting of 30 justice ministers in London, which are hosted by uh, Dilan Yasilgas and British Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab. Yasilgas <laughs> said the international community must take responsibility for making sure that the perpetrators of the crimes committed during the war in Ukraine are prosecuted. And speaking of funds, uh, NATO is also basing a new one in the Netherlands, right? Yes, uh, the Defence Alliance confirmed this week that its Innovation Fund would be located in the Netherlands. Uh, the preferred location is believed to be Amsterdam, probably next door to the Mega Brothel and, uh, <laughs> and, and, the, and the European Medicines Agency. So, Very uh, handy, uh, handy. To sort, out, all, to sort out they the all help each other, really. Yeah, yeah, to sort out the infection you get afterwards. Exactly. They come up with some innovative medical solutions to. Uh, yeah. Uh, Maybe the Canva Bay should relocate there as well. Yes. <laughs> as we will see later in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, NATO countries have committed a billion euros towards the fund, uh, which will invest in startup businesses and help them overcome the bureaucratic obstacles that turn them from investing in defence. So they've had the bright idea to uh, overcome bureaucracy by moving to the Netherlands. <laughs> 
<laughs> NATO said one of the advantages the Netherlands had over other contenders like Luxembourg was the speed of its licensing and regulatory system um, and also okay. the fact that uh, yeah, the belasting genes is fond of making special deals for big customers allegedly yeah. Allegedly, yeah. Uh, these tech wizards are going to get an almighty shock when they try to claim childcare support or submit a tax return. That's all Absolutely. I can say. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of technology, why is uh, why is China unhappy with the Netherlands, Gordon? Yeah, we seem to have messed up. We seem to have um, uh, pissed off China and Russia in the same week, which wow. uh, can't be boding very well. Um, and that's because especially Dutch- because those two leaders have uh, were toasting champagne while uh, while we were uh, uh, annoying them. So yeah, yeah, so, uh, bad timing. I imagine they were probably talking about uh, about how to fire a hypersonic missile at Daventer. I thought it was white wine. Else. Anyway, wasn't it white wine? Looked like white wine to me. I like the detail. Mm, okay. It's whatever the Russians can import these days, so it's probably, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's probably alcohol-free carvers. <laughs> Uh, no. um, it is because the Dutch have uh, bowed to pressure from the United States and placed restrictions on exports of chip technology to China. Um, uh, they, they won't be allowed to serve mayonnaise with their chips anymore in, uh, in Beijing. No, 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 Orlof sauce. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Patachi Orlof is going to break out, isn't it? Literally. <laughs> Yeah. Until recently, the Dutch had resisted calls from the Biden administration to Yopi limit chip It's also a sort of nuclear source, isn't it? I really don't like it. It's almost it tastes radioactive. So yeah, maybe maybe that is the preferred uh, 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 choice of source for for the Russians and and the Chinese. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Until recently, the Dutch had resisted calls from the Biden administration to limit chip exports uh, because ASML is one of the biggest suppliers of technology to China. But since Mark Rutte returned from his visit to Washington in January, the uh, the tone seems to have changed. Uh, Lisbeth Schreinemacher, the Minister for Foreign Trade, said in a briefing two weeks ago that ASML exports are being restricted on national and international security grounds. The Chinese ambassador, Tan Yan, was having none of it. He called Schreinemacher's reasoning a fallacy and warned that the move would have a negative effect on economic cooperation and relations. And he said, uh, quote, If damage is done, we will take action to protect ourselves. We will not leave it at harsh words alone. So, so have you drawn a graph for that? The fallout of that one as well. <laughs> Where yeah. does that hit? I should, I should do that too, yeah, I think. Can we move on from politics to, uh, to another fast-moving uh, story this week? <laughs> I guess yes, so. Yes, please. E-bikes have been a hot topic in the Netherlands this week. And uh, for those of us who've been living under a rock or haven't been pushed out of the cycle lane onto our heads by one recently, that is electric bikes. Um, since there have been more regulations on mopeds, particularly in places like Amsterdam, more and more people, including primary school kids, have treated themselves to an e-bike. Now, although the manufacturers are required to limit the speed to the legal limit of 25 kilometres an hour, where regulations annoy, entrepreneurs spring in, this is the Netherlands, so you can often buy an app or a device to override <laughs> the settings and you can merrily ride illegally fast. But uh, Amsterdam City's had enough of all this and it wants to set a 20 kilometre an hour speed limit for e-bikes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how do we know how fast these bikes are going anyway? Because they, they, they literally just sort of zoom past. Usually you're out cycling along uh, happily and suddenly, you know, so the, the three of these fat bikes kind of zoom past you. 
Well, actually, a group called the Fietzersbond in Amsterdam has been out with their speed guns in recent months, measuring these frisky Fietzers, and they found the e-bikes are regularly bombing along at 40 kilometers an hour. Um, doctors mm. and physiotherapists are also noticing a stream of incidents, and government research last year showed that young bikers in particular go at an average of 23 kilometers an hour. And okay, that's not over the speed limit, but if you place that on a very thin cycle lane where there's already a huge amount of traffic, you, you might have a problem. Anyway. And a normal speed for bikes is 12 kilometers an hour, right? So this it's is twice, twice as fast. 12? Guys, you go slowly. A normal speed. I'm not saying my speed. <laughs> really? Well, the, the gov- I just Googled it. I, uh, the, go- Google. the government research showed actually that um, racing bikers typically, typically go at 27. I think it's a bit faster than that. I think it's about 18 or 19, but I'll have to look it up. Um, okay. Anyway, Amsterdam thinks it's no good on its uh, narrow bike lane, so they want to use intelligent speed adaptation to make your phone ping at you if you're going into a low speed zone. And uh, they're also threatening to put cyclists on the roads, which would go down well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I haven't put scooters on the roads, so and now put cyclists on the roads. I've got to say, there are so many regulations now on cycling in Amsterdam. You need a degree before you can get on a bike, right? It's like, a, yeah. you know, about who can use what lane and in what parts of the city you have to go on the road and where you can go on the cycle path and all the rest of it. And uh, what kind of beverage can you drink with how many people on yeah, your bike exactly, and stuff yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I thought... You're not allowed to hold your phone in your hands, but uh, then no. you're supposed to have your phone switched on and somewhere within an earshot uh, so you can hear the ping. At you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you have to have it glued to your ear, basically. So I always thought that people were getting off the roads. Uh, aren't the Dutch more? Aren't more Dutch consumers ditching their cars for bikes? Yeah, that, that's the other news of the week. There's been some other research suggesting that more people are e-biking to work rather than using their car. That's grown from 28 percent in 2021 to 34% in 2022. And there are lots of enthusiastic quotes in the Dutch press from Gazella and Stella and Sparta. Not so much noise from the trendy Van Moof, which apparently only has 1% <laughs> of the market uh, and, and quite a lot of the hate if you read the Dutch press. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, 1% of the market, but sort of 98% of the, 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 <laughs> of the scorn of other, of other cyclists. They are surpassing uh, wielrenners very quickly indeed, yeah. yeah. But um, there are definitely some incentives to go to an e-bike. I, I understand from tax accountants that there's a nice tax credit you can use to offset it against your income if you have your own company. Actually, you get the state to pay an extra 40% or so with this very generous, eco-friendly credit. Um, mm. And it all sounds great for the e-bike industry, but actually they're in a bit of a problem because demand has been very high, but also material costs are very high. Repairs are a huge problem. And actually things aren't going so well at Stella. The, uh, the CEO, Dan van Rensenaar, recently left because he said he didn't want to be in charge of the reorganization, which uh, I guess means sacking people. Yeah, so, so yeah, he, he didn't want to, ironically, he didn't want to go into the office and say, on your bike, to all his, uh, all his staff. <laughs> oh, ouch. And uh, it's, the government's also cracking down in general on uh, bad behaviour on the roads, right? So there were, um, but in spite of that, uh, there were uh, more traffic and parking fines issued this year. That's right. Yeah, the fines are higher. So if you go over the speed limit in a car or I guess an e-bike in built up areas, the fines are going up to almost 400 euros. Uh, you'd have to be going at 30 kilometres above the speed limit for that. So you'd really have to 
work hard on your e-bike. Um, there are fines of 280 euros for jumping a red light, 160 for using your phone while cycling, which everyone does, as far as I can see. Anyway, if you look at the dire state of local city finances and how much they raise from traffic fines, you can see they need the money. Hmm. Yeah. Can find yeah, there's out. Also can find out also... criminal court. Yeah, I think you're, there's also a fine of about 160. I think for if if you um uh, if, if you turn without indicating. So I thought if they enforce that one on Audi and BMW drivers, I think you know they, they, they solve their financial problems straight away. And cyclists as well. Yeah. You can build another court. As ever, this is the moment when we take a minute to say a big thank you to our wonderful patrons who resisted the temptation to splash out on a Boerbucherbewegung wind cheater and instead put a couple of euros towards keeping this podcast afloat. If you value our efforts to keep you up to date with the fallout from the provincial elections, Amsterdam's increasingly Byzantine bike lane rules, or the Badgers' war against the Dutch train network... Spoiler. Yes, it's coming up. We hope you'll consider becoming a sponsor on Patreon. All new patrons get a special shout-out on the next podcast, uh, the chance to ask us a question, and access to our exclusive bonus content. All you have to do is log on to www.patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash dutchnewsnl. We've had uh, a message on Patreon from uh, one of our long-standing patrons, uh, Feyard Lochness, uh, from Norway, who points out uh, that um, the BBB is not um, unique among European parties, and it's very similar, in fact, to a party that's been around in Norway for getting on for a century, I think. Yep. The Farmers' Party later became the Centre Party. It's in currently in a minority cabinet with uh, the Norwegian Labour Party, which is kind of uh, interesting, because uh, originally it set out as a kind of um, right-wing party. It was kind of sympathetic towards the Nazis, but over years it's kind of uh, gone off in all kinds of different directions um it, it's been in um right wing and center right coalitions but as i say it's now in a coalition with a more kind of a center left uh, administration it support those collapsed from a high point of around 20 percent in the polls to around five or six percent now it's part of farmers rural communities local decentralization and more recently populism according to uh, Vigard. <laughs> so yeah so lots of parallels of the baby bay but other parallels we discovered is that uh, the, uh, the the norwegian farmers party very keen on shooting wool <laughs> uh, although not with paintballs, we don't think, um, but they just want to uh, get rid of the wolf. Did, did they inspire the uh, Aha song? Cry wolf. <laughs> oh, I'm sure oh. they did, yeah. <laughs> uh, we need someone to pick up the baton for the BBB then. Yes, and I also noticed that the uh, Centre Party and the Baby Bay logo are very similar. They have this sort of claver what's that um, it's a four-leaf clover isn't it a- yeah the four-leaf clover with uh, the same color green i think so a lot of uh, similarities there as well and also she uh, she had a a, a note on uh, on the norwegian train company right oh yes yeah we had this conversation that a norwegian train company you thought was called uh, ns bay isn't it but yes. uh, it turns out that it's actually changed its name to vai which apparently means nothing or v <laughs> you know, vy um, but uh, yeah, it's no longer called NSB. But of course, uh, the Dutch train company is called NS, and uh, the cross-border train service that goes to Brussels is uh, run jointly by the uh, NS and the Belgian railway, which has a B as its logo. So we actually have yeah. NSB on the Dutch trains. Yeah, they put yeah. it there. Yeah, as if they don't have enough problems. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and she also um, um, emphasised that our train company NS still bears the name of the uh, National Socialist Norwegian Party. So uh, mm. yeah, there was a oh, tip for yeah, we, ha- yeah. we exchanged uh, some names there uh, apparently. <laughs> 
The Netherlands is once again in fifth place in the World Happiness Index, a ranking compiled from uh, Gallup surveys by a group of academics united in something called the Sustainable Development Solutions Network. Finland tops the ranking for the sixth year in a row, followed by Denmark, Iceland and Israel. Afghanistan and Lebanon and Sierra Leone make up the bottom three of the list of 137 countries. And the survey is based on individuals' own assessment of their lives, but reflects six variables as well. GDP per capita, social support, healthy life expectancy, freedom, generosity and corruption. And this year, the survey focused on how COVID-19 affected the distribution of well-being and found life evaluations to be remarkably resilient, with global average in the coronavirus years just as high as those in the pre-pandemic period. The report also looked at the happiness gap, that's the difference in happiness between the more and less happy halves of the population. Um, Who do you think is number one? Uh, Probably Luxembourg. No, Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. uh, but that's because everyone is unhappy there. Um, and But the Netherlands was second in place. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, we, we did also very well in, in that regard, followed by Finland, Iceland and Belgium. And, of course, speaking of Belgium, we have to look at what place they are in the World Happiness Index. What do we think? Where Belgium are in the whole world, in the entire World Happiness Index. Yep. They're quite happy, aren't they? No, they're quite happy, probably about 10th. 17. 17. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, so we beat the Belgians here. So uh, that means I am happy. So uh, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just probably what we're happiest about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and the Dutch are always very good at PR. I always tend to wonder, you know, whether they get a good showing on some of these things just because no one really wants to say, well, we have two corona death figures and we used one for a while, which was half the other one. And then we quietly put the real one up and hope no one would notice. And it's not very good PR, is it? Don't question the science here, Shen. Yeah, but it's kind of curious that in, in the run-up to the election, you hear so much coverage about uh, people are unhappy and angry and there's unrest in the provinces and there's this huge protest vote because everyone's fed up with the government. And then when, when someone comes to the survey saying, do you feel happy? People, you know, 80% of people say, yeah, I'm quite satisfied, really. Yeah. So you wonder why, where all this anger comes from at election time. But it, but it also depends on where, who you ask. I mean, the Dutch do really well on a survey for child happiness and they just don't include special schools. Now, arguably, children with more issues that might be in the special school system, which is quite large in the Netherlands. Why aren't they included? Do we not care whether people are happy or not? Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I, I do wonder about the stat- mm. statistics, actually. Yes, and how representatives, yeah. uh, how representative the group of people they have surveyed really are. What is, I think, one explanation is that people in the Netherlands tend to think that while their personal situation is very well, the state of the country itself isn't as good as they personally are. And that is a discrepancy you see very often, I think. Yeah, I think people often as well sort of say, if you ask them just about the situation in the Netherlands, they say oh, the, the, the country's in a terrible state. But then when you invite them to compare it to other countries, they say, oh, actually, we're very happy to be living here rather than just about anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. true. It's a shitty country, but it is our shitty country. <laughs> exactly, that's yeah. the, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it that's needs the... to be less shitty soon. Yes, yeah. 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 <laughs> it needs to be 50% less shitty by 2030 or 2035. Sports news and that rare thing, a proper uncomplicated old-fashioned international football tournament broke out this week. Sadly, too, so did a virus that swept through the Dutch camp on the eve of their crunch European Championship qualifier against France in Paris on Friday evening. And in what's already been dubbed Kip Kerry Gate, 
Uh, I heard that on RTL this morning. Uh, World Cup star Cody Kakpo and Bayern Munich defender Matthijs de Ligt have been sent home to recover from this mysterious illness. So too have Sven Botman, Joey Fearman and uh, Bad Verbruggen, who'd all been hoping to make their debuts for the national team. And then Captain Ferkel van Dijk added spice to the story at the press conference when he suggested the illness might have been caused by a dodgy chicken curry. Mm. So, the plot thickens, as did the chicken curry, seemingly. <laughs> but manager Ronald Koeman leapt to the caterer's defence and said the claim was nonsense. Whether it was a dodgy curry or a mysterious virus, which apparently is not coronavirus, absolutely not, because no one gets sick with that anymore, right? It has given Koeman a headache on the eve of his first competitive match since he took over from Louis van Gaal. Frankie de Jong and giant Frisian goalkeeper Andres Nuppert are also missing uh, because they're injured. So his options are extremely limited. And of course, there's the worry that the infection might spread further through the squad uh, before the match on Friday evening and uh, who they'll have left to play. The Netherlands' second match is in Rotterdam on Monday night against the mighty Gibraltar. Hmm. So even uh, a whole bucket of chicken curry is not going to cause many problems against Gibraltar. I'm just hoping Gibraltar will use uh, the baboons uh, as their as a, as a football team. That's, Maybe in uh, goal. I'm looking yeah. for forward to yeah. yeah in the meantime there's a gaggle of geese that's uh, starting to make more noise than a corona protest outside my window so hopefully that's not uh, interfering too much as long as they haven't got bird flu it's okay <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds like they're, they're suffering from something but no, i'm not sure if it's uh... maybe someone's been feeding them chicken curry <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there's also some more football news because uh, there was also a big match in the Eredivisie this week, uh, known as El Clasico. Yeah, yeah, El Clasico, the Clasica. Yeah, um, Ajax against Feyenoord, and it was actually a pretty good game. Mm. And jubilation for the Feyenoord fans. They beat Ajax in Amsterdam for the first time in 18 years. Uh, oh. Goal by Lutzeral Gertrude. Four minutes from time sealed a dramatic win as Feyenoord came back from 2-1 down at half time, And that means that Ari Slot's team are now six points ahead of their rivals with eight matches left to play, so they can only really throw it away. Feyenoord supporters went out into the streets and let off fireworks in celebration, but nobody complained because they weren't supporting Morocco, so it was okay. Oh, thought yeah. fireworks were banned. Is that, that's only a new year. That's only when you want to have fun. And uh, does Amsterdam have any Bernini fountains they have to be worried about or not? Thankfully for them, not. No no, no kind of classical um, uh, fountains. uh, But uh, of course they do in Rome, and the mayor of Rome is uh, not happy with the fact that Feyenoord have drawn AS Roma in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Because of course last time Feyenoord went to Rome uh, in 2015, they threw 108 beer bottles at the Bacaccia fountain uh, at the bottom of the Spanish steps and caused 8 million euros worth of damage. He should introduce them to Carpaccio. It's far more civilised. Carpaccio and the Bacaccia, yeah. It sticks better anyway when you throw it. Yeah, yeah. and it stings probably after <laughs> quite a number of time. Yeah, if you essentially leave it, leave it out in the heat for a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the mayor of Rome he wants to ban Feyenoord supporters uh, from travelling to Rome, but uh, UEFA rules require that at least five percent of tickets for European matches go to away fans, and uh, if uh, Roma uh, shut them out, then uh, the match will be cancelled. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, so. that'll be fun. Tell me, is there is there any other sport apart from football, please? Yeah, there's cricket news. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, the Netherlands end their 15-match losing streak in the World Cup Super League, uh, which sounds like the Nations League for cricketers, uh, with a thrilling victory over Zimbabwe at the Harare Sports Club. I think we should point out to the CDA that there is hope after losing uh, 15 <laughs> exactly. times in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's a good thing to send to Wopke Hoekstra, this, yeah. uh, this segment of the podcast. You, you yeah, think they should, they should take up cricket instead of politics? 
Do you have to be tall for cricket? I think it helps. You can swing the. You need to swing the bat. Yeah, quite. Okay, quite well then, to, yeah. it's definitely something Wopkuksa could do after he's sacked uh, uh, in a couple of months. Chasing a target of two hundred and fifty in fifty overs, uh, the Dutch look to be heading for a uh, CDR-style humiliation as their <laughs> top order slumped to one hundred and ten for six in the thirty-second over. But Tam Nidamanuru led the fight back, finishing with an unbeaten 110 as the Netherlands lost one more wicket and finished in style with a six from Paul van Meeklen off the second last ball. I really have no idea what all of this means. So I hope you're taking notes, Paul, because uh, we'll be asking questions later. Zimbabwe won the second one-day international on Thursday, so the decider now will be played on Saturday. And there's okay. news of ice skating as well. Not, uh, not speed skating, proper twirly ice skating. Oh, nice. Yeah, two Dutch pairs have been competing in the World Figure Skating Championships in Japan. That's the first time that uh, two Dutch couples have made it. Daria Danilova and Michelle Sieber finished 13th in the competition in Japan, while Nika Osipova and Dimitri Epstein finished in last place. <laughs> they sound very Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> they don't sound very Dutch, do they? No. Danilova and Osipova are both indeed Russian-born, but they moved to the Netherlands uh, in the last uh, three years, uh, so before all the um, yeah, unpleasant business kicked off in Ukraine. Well, six years after all this unpleasant business started in Ukraine. but that's Six years after the, 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 the unpleasant business started in Ukraine, yes. Osipova paired up with Dmitry Epstein during lockdown um, on a kind of ice skating matchup site. Epstein, who despite his name is actually from Enschede, contacted Osipova and uh, she moved to the Netherlands and stayed here ever since. Daniel Overmer took up the nationality in 2020, but controversially she and uh, her partner Siba still spend part of the year training in Sochi. And she mm. said in a recent interview, we don't notice the war here. It's shockingly quiet. Oh, yeah, of course. But maybe because she's in Sochi and not where yeah. the war is actually happening. I like how this segment says, generally a funny and or remarkable story, preferably animals. That's very nice. That's very <laughs> nice, Paul. Because that is actually my speciality this week. I get a bit confused, actually, when I have to see the word dusser. I was thinking, is it, is it beaver or badger? Or fault leader, Laurens Dusser. Yeah. There's been lots of news about the, the cute little creature version of the Dusser this week. The uh, the crux of the problem is the Netherlands is flat and wet, as we know, and uh, our little badger beasties, uh, 7,000 of them, have got a bit of a problem. They like to build their set on a slope because it helps with drainage, and luckily these kind Dutch human beings have built a whole network of lovely hills made of nice diggable sand. Uh, the only problem is they put railway lines on top of them. <laughs> so in two places in the Netherlands, the railway line's in trouble because of badger sets digging away under the line, uh, meaning it's liable to collapse. And um, train services this week were cancelled between Den Bosch and Esch, I've written, but that's not correct. It's not Den Bosch and Esch, it's Den Bosch and somewhere else, because Esch is where yeah. the badger set is. Hmm. Bookstall, I think. Ah, Bookstall. That's the one. Um, because the, uh, the railway risks collapsing thanks to busy badgers under the line there cleaning up their sets, they're digging a little bit, they're making the way clear for the nice new badgers and hopefully Mrs. Badgers are all pregnant and we need to wait until July before we disturb them. Mm. Yeah. There's also a set at Mogveren and uh, ProRail's trying in vain to build an artificial set and tempt the badger population away from the tracks before they collapse. Do you know the Dutch word for artificial set? Uh, I can't remember actually, I did look it up. Kunstburgt. Yeah, which has a little bit of a nice alliteration uh sort of in it i think so it almost rhymes doesn't it but not quite yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but um, yeah, the, the, so the badges are beavering away um, under the railway line, and um, but it's not just in uh, two places, right? No, no, there are forty locations in the Netherlands where the railway is potentially compromised. Uh, Pro Rail says forty. Forty. Wow. They haven't told us where they are, so uh, that'll, that'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, to watch them appear over the next few years. Anyway, uh, commuters are getting quite uh, upset because they're facing all kinds of delays, and it's also a problem for goods transport because uh, all kinds of things, including hazardous waste and uh, stuff from Rotterdam Harbour, are carried by train across the Netherlands and beyond. So uh, why exactly is it such a problem to get them out of these uh, burden? Yeah, well, the, the badger, which uh, was in a very bad state in the Netherlands 10 years ago, it's a protected species like this, CDA. Yeah. And uh, program <laughs> needs to uh, apply for environmental permission if it wants to clear out a set or tempt the badge that it can't just bring in a digger. And we all know how the Dutch love lengthy processes and endless bureaucracy and rules so just investigating the situation and coming up with a plan takes months and then you've got to wait for it to be approved do we really have a Dassenwerk group we have a Dassenwerk yeah I, talk, I, I spoke to a lovely lady from the Dassenwerk group Brabant there's a national Dassenwerk group badger working group and she told me how lovely they are and even when they're wounded they never get angry oh, and they never scratch you and they're completely undutch in this regard uh, they're shy they live in embankments to avoid people actually they sound like uh, some of the nicer residents of the Netherlands it sounds like kind of passive aggressive to me I don't know if, uh... <laughs> but um, can we not ask this new NATO innovation uh, division to come up with sort of solutions for clearing out the badges? Yeah, we need a solution for it, I think. But but yeah. the the irony here is, is is of course because we are so protective of these badges, a lot of people are not able to take the train to their work, so they have to uh, rely on their cars, and that means that the environmental impact of yeah. you know all these extra cars on the road is probably much higher than just getting these badges out of these yeah. uh, on, on, underneath these train tracks. Yeah, so the badges are actually adding to nitrogen pollution. Yeah, yeah well, where are you going to put them? Well, we do have Kunstbeurte, right? Let's uh, build a, some of them, yeah. The expropriated farmland. The VOC mentality. I'm just worried the badges are going to... We've got 7,000 badges now, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, if, if we get any more, they're going to start their own political party and end up with <laughs> seats in the Senate. You know, True. And, um, It'd be even the harder to form coalitions. Badger yeah, exactly. that's the one. I vote for them. They sound really nice. Badger Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got some news about meerkats as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. Can we please move on from badgers? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, uh, three meerkats were in the news. This Caroline week. von der Das. I, 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 <laughs> Can I can I tell you about cute little animals that people yes, want? Please. Yeah, they, they yeah. escaped from a private collection in Schravenzande and they have been wandering around, popping up here and there, but always escaping their owner, local businessman Jan Knoppert. And he's been posting pictures of these cute meerkats all around town, still escaping his clutches. Although I think that with that name, Schravenzand, that uh, that town would be an ideal place for the badgers, wouldn't it? They could in the sand there. Yeah, there are a lot of dikes there, so preferably not because Gravesande is within my waterschap and uh, if the dikes breach, then uh, I have wet feet. So no, please do not do that. <laughs> Perhaps these badgers can start digging some, some nuclear bunkers for us. Is that maybe a, a solution a, to, to that? That's a really good so idea. They can stay Joined in these thinking. bunkers until we need them and then they, we have to, uh, you know, kick them out into the nuclear uh, holocaust uh, winter zone so uh, yeah, that's a, i think that's a good polar solution that's uh, all that we have for you this week 
Fortunately, uh, this podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcasts at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek and uh, Shanae Bostas, of course. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. Thank you.